Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of the On Relating Podcast. I'm your host, Ryan Ginn, and today we have Jed Bickford. He is a business coach and an entrepreneur and really skillful at what he does. He currently co-manages, runs a wonderful vintage clothing company in Boulder with his partner. And over the years, he's learned a lot about how to create and sustain a successful business with your partner while maintaining the intimacy and uh, friendliness of your of your relationship. It is a difficult thing, but he really lays out some of the essential pieces of how to do such a thing. So here we go. I hope you enjoy. Sweet. Welcome, Jed Bedford. It's nice to have you on the show. Thanks, Ryan. It's nice to be here. Yeah. So um, I'd like to just start out by asking you to introduce yourself. Um, who is, who is Jed? What is, what does he do in the world? And you know, all that good stuff. Mm, glad to. Well, hello everyone. Um, I'm Jed McCabe Bickford and I'm an entrepreneur and angel investor, and I mentor couples who are in business together. And I call these folks couplepreneurs. Um, I focus on working with them because I find that when you combine love and business, you're quite likely to create a train wreck somewhere along the way, as I've done many times in the past. And um, I also co-own and serve as chief financial officer of Apocalypse, which is a secondhand clothing store uh, here in Boulder, Colorado, which I founded with my beloved partner and fiance, Madison Moorhead. Uh, She's the CEO and creative director, and we currently have about 19 employees. Wow. I didn't realize it had gotten so big and congratulations. It really mm-hmm. took off. It's just been like a few you. years. Yeah, it's a year and a half old wow. and it's just been growing and growing. And, you know, we couldn't do it without the amazing people who, who work for us. And um, it's been a hit in the community. So cool. I'm really grateful. Yeah, congratulations. And, yeah, not to mention Thanks. that you've, you're still engaged. Uh, yeah still engaged we've made it (laughs) very close to getting married too well you've got a great then yeah you've got a great story for the listeners i'd love for you to just um Mm. yeah tell it uh the the because you've got both the well uh, i don't know the train wreck experience and the success experience Mm -hmm. yeah Mm. around Mm -hmm. creating a business with partner definitely uh this is the second business that i've co-founded with my my partner uh, the first was back in 2008 uh, with my ex-wife, and uh, we created uh, this beautiful and successful e-commerce business, uh, selling online, um, selling raw vegan organic skincare and body care products. Uh, we were kind of the hub for this movement at a time where a lot of uh, people were looking for ultra pure organic skincare products from all over the world, and all these great makers were making them and. Um, and they were hard to find and hard to get shipped to you. And so we kind of centralized that. Um, and it was a m- wonderful business and it grew. But along the way, our, our relationship really began to flail. Um, we'd be lying in bed 10 o'clock at night, having these tense conversations about finances or placing our next big order of products or who to hire. Um, and along the way, we'd forget 
that we were lovers and partners first and business owners second. Um, and uh, that's really kind of the heart of what I've been learning and trying to do differently this time around. Um, and uh, there's this one principle that came out over the last couple of years that Madison and I repeat all the time, and it's no naked meetings, <laughs> which... Uh, you know, if you're lying in bed with your, with your partner, with your husband, with your wife, um, and talking about business, something has actually gone wrong. It's not, uh, it, it's, it's natural to do that, but it's, um, it's forgetting much of what's important. Um, because we let the anxiety and the stress of running a business together, take the lead. And when we indulge that, um, instead of keeping business out of our bedroom, um, we, we tend to start forgetting um, that we're here for relationship. We're here to be lovers. We're here to um, for something more than the business. Um, and so if I could do it again now, I would be much clearer about boundaries like that. Um, and I've learned many, many lessons like that through the, those kinds of um, those kinds of mistakes. Um, and I, I feel blessed actually to be able to bring, bring these learnings to other couples. And so we, I call that the art of couplepreneurship, which, um, I'll tell you a little bit more about. Yeah. Yeah. Super curious, but I, I, I wanted to ask a little bit more about like, um, what, what was there a, was there a kind of a aha moment like in there, uh, afterwards when you were kind of reflecting or like when did it happen that you were like oh that's what was that's what we were doing wrong or so we got caught up in it you know that actually happened in my current relationship i carried the pain of um all the reasons it didn't work one of them being the business with me for a while and and how that sort of crystallized for a while was I'm never going to do this again. Why would I ever get into business with a partner again? So some like, part of you took over and it was just like, as, as does exactly. happen, like, okay, that was bad. It just doesn't work to start a business with your partner. Exactly. Like let's, let's let lovers be lovers and let's go find business partners elsewhere. And, and Madison and I sort of fell into this opportunity when a, a, a big secondhand store closed in Boulder and it had been her passion to, um, to create a secondhand store, um, because she cares so much about the community and about protecting the planet through recycling clothing. And so, um, she'd been wanting to do this for 10 years and, and it just, became this opportunity that we couldn't say no to and the, the dominoes kept falling into place. And so when I started doing that, I, we had a lot of conversations with me saying, wow, I've really, I really don't want to do this the same way that I did it before. I really want to learn from that experience. And that's where I started being very conscious about how we do this. Um, and then that started blending into the business coaching work that I was already doing um, until I eventually found myself mentoring almost exclusively couples who, who run businesses together. Wow. And that's, that's just over the last few years. It, it is. Crystallized. Yeah. yeah, exactly. It is. Yeah. Before that I had, um, I, I, I lived in, in Ashland um, and, uh, and worked at a company called E-Myth. 
um, which is a company that Michael Gerber, the author of the E-Myth Revisited, uh, founded. And I was a, on the leadership team there and ran a bunch of different departments there. And that was my my education in a way and how to be a manager, how to be a leader. Wow. It was so much bigger than running your own business that I learned a ton of lessons. And eventually when that came to an end, I, um, I left and decided to mentor business owners full time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I was doing that for a number of years and then this then pivoted in this direction when we started our business. Yeah. Awesome. So, so tell, tell me about like what it looks like to, you know, what you're, what you found in terms of like what creates for a, um, like, yeah, what, what are the, what are the principles that need to be put in place for a couple to navigate this successfully? Yeah. Um, you know, I've been deeply influenced by Stan Tatkin, who um, I know is one of your teachers. And, and I know we both are very grateful to for all that he's brought uh, around um, being a couple and um, what it takes. Uh, and so um, you'll probably hear some familiar, um, familiar things um, in what I say, but I break down the the art of couplepreneurship into these three areas. Art is an acronym. So I break it into agreements. Um, usually agreements are like boundaries for how we're going to conduct our life as a couple in business. Um, and then there's rituals. And rituals are um, areas that um, we practice on a daily or weekly basis to keep our relationship nourished. Um, And then the third is teamwork, Um, both how we work together as a team, as a two-person team, and then also the team that we have around us to support us and to um, ensure that we can can do our best work and focus in the areas that we're brilliant at. Um, So those are the three areas in the art of couplepreneurship. Awesome. Yeah, it's it's simple, yet when you lay it all out, it actually... is full of nuance right i mean or you know various particular processes for a couple imagine right i mean just just any couple has to do these should not well they don't have to right but (laughs) they ought to right have conversation about what their agreements are what their their practices and rituals are and what Mm -hmm. what it means for them to be a team yeah um but uh it becomes imagine it becomes that much more important to get really good at these if you're going to be starting a business together for sure and you know any deepening of intimacy or intimate relationship um whether it's having a baby whether it's moving in together whether it's starting a business is something that will evoke shadow it'll evoke you know the parts of us that are unknown to ourselves and it'll evoke challenge Um, that's kind of what intimacy is about Uh, as you and i have talked about before um, you know those of us that have an idea of a fairy tale romance and that lasting for 50 years um, have another thing coming because usually this is a place this is a place that we have to go to work on ourselves and so these i look at these tools as sort of a conscious framework for going to work on our relationship and ourselves um in in with with business as the sort of construct where we're deepening yeah well uh, i bet it would be helpful to folks to just hear um examples of of each of these either from mm-hmm. your own life or, or from some kind of composite of 
the couples that you, that you work with. Uh, so starting with like agreements and boundaries. Mm-hmm. Yeah, gladly. Um, you know, our main agreement is no naked meetings, um, no no talking business in the bedroom, uh, and it's actually quite funny how um, when I bring that up with any couple I work with, how quickly they blush because it's a pretty universal <laughs> experience that um, that uh, of couples who work together not consciously creating meetings during the day during the workday to actually talk business. And um, so one of the main agreements is there's a certain time of day and the, the ritual that goes with this is we call it clocking out where we look at each other and say, Hey, we're, we're punched out. You know, we're not doing work anymore today. And then we have to hold whatever we want to talk about that bubbles up around the business. We will write it down. We'll have a little book where we write down the things that are stressing us out and we'll hold it until the next day. Um, and until, um, until we can be back at work. So that's one primary one. Um, in the positive, there's also a couple of agreements that we set that provide a frame for, for why we're together. Um, and this is one that I really love from Stan Tatkin, which is what's the purpose of our relating? Why are the two of us together outside of having children, outside of having a business? Why are we here? And for Madison and I, after working through that for a while, we came to, we're here to learn how to embody devotion. And that's what we're here to do. Um, and we have values that center around that, which are kindness, devotion, and play. And we remind each other of that. And, you know, I'll admit that like, there are moments where like, it turns into a, you aren't being kind right now <laughs> kind of accusation. But those are also the, the, the ways that we aspire to behave and live in relating. That's great. So um, within this first um, this first thing, agreements, right? There's there you have your mm-hmm. purpose in there too, really, because it's they're, mm-hmm. they're so kind of overlapping, yeah. right? Exactly, agreeing upon a purpose for our relating. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And have you found it? What, what have you found as you work with couples in terms of their ability to get clear on a shared purpose? You know, I found that um, at first it's it's a novel idea. Um, and, you know, if you look at the history of people pairing up and getting married, um, it's relatively new that people pair out of a out of a romantic desire. Um, you know, culturally, uh, there's a lot of sort of cultural obligation um, or economic obligation that caused people to be in relationship um, if we go back further than a few hundred years ago. And so um, I think that precedent is really strong in people. And so there'll be a like, I'm getting in relationship and the next thing I'm going to do is have a baby. And and that that becomes, um, I guess Stan Tadkin would call it introducing a third into the relationship. And that third can start to take away the focus and the purpose of these two people being together. And so when I encourage people to carve out that space just for themselves, there's a sense of relief and a sense of exploration that happen. Um, and, you know, I think it's a conversation anyone should have before they get married or before they like really deeply commit. Um, but it's, it's very fun um, when we can, can get into that place of exploration and, um, and it's beautiful to, to witness people um, almost fi- finding a new like wedding vow together. Yeah. yeah, it strikes me as as um, 
something like kind of creating like some, some sanctity, right. Um, mm-hmm. that they can return to that's bigger than right. Their business or their kid or their home. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah. The, or the topic du jour, like whatever, you know, whatever the challenge or complaint is in the moment, having that, that bigger meaning to come back to, um, it adds a lot of stability. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it, and you, and like you said, there's not, um, there's not, a, not, not a lot of that happening, unfortunately. Right. Um, uh, most couples have a difficult time articulating why they're together, what their purpose is in a, in a succinct way that they mm-hmm. both share deeply. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It sounds like that's been your experience too yeah. In, yeah. in your couple's work. Yeah. Right. If you just sit down any couple that come into couples therapy, so why are you together? Like what's, what's, what's your purpose? Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. If you got any answer, you get two, two you, well, you get two different answers. Mm-hmm. Often. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. Yeah. I you totally, totally. That's why where it begins. And, and it's interesting too to like map that to the age of the relationship. Because I, I think that the the, the long term super committed relationships they start to gradually find that on their own, um, or they go through a phase of really like forgetting why they're they're in relationship and then remembering. Um, and the the young relationships when folks have just been together for a year or two and they've enjoyed this great honeymoon phase, it's much more about attraction and about um, sh- I could say shallower like like beginnings. Um, and then they're still sort of uncovering that why. Yeah. The, the romantic comedies don't really sort of spell out like what happens after come back together. <laughs> yeah, that's for See, sure. Yeah. yeah. Or all the, all the, all the, um, the, the mundane moments mm-hmm. um, that, that we just try to find play and joy through anyway. So that's a good lead into yeah. rituals. Like, mm-hmm. What have you created? What have you helped couples create to just kind of put the meat on the bones? Like, because we're not, you know, a lot of people might balk at even the, the word ritual. You know, a lot of people have you know, religious injury, you could say. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Well said. Um, you know, I use the word ritual as a essentially nourishment for your relationship. Um, and, uh, this is a, a repeated thing that you two love doing together and that becomes something you lean on in, in your, um, in your relating over the long term. Right. So this can range from I'm in the tennis lately. So I would think of like Saturday morning tennis mm-hmm. or, um, mm-hmm. or that walk in the park after, at the end of the work day, every day, so, you know, rain mm-hmm. or shine, you just walk the dog for all those different things that are just kind of non-negotiables for sure the the one we've been enjoying the most lately especially because the river near our house is running pretty strong is we go get a sunday morning coffee and then take a dunk in a very cold river um which is is really fun and um that's our that's our sunday morning date um and the there's four key rituals that I recommend for every couple, whether or not you're in business together. Um, and, uh, some of these are more specific to business, but there's these things 
help to sustain and create connection regardless. Um, the first one, um, there's like a kind of bookending the day with some connection time. And so the first one is just morning time together. And um, this can look very intentional or it can just look like having coffee. Um, you know, Madison and I often, probably most days a week, we sit and have tea together and meditate for 20 minutes together and then talk a little bit about our day. And that becomes this transition into, into work often. Um, and then we have, as I mentioned earlier, the evening clock out, which is when we come back together after work, sometimes we might need to like, you know, Madison might go do some yoga or something or do something that like helps her, um, kind of come back after a long day of work. Um, but then we, when we finished work, we agree, okay, we're done talking about work. We're clocked out. Um, we're just going to be partners now. Um, so that, uh, sometimes that's also accompanied by just speaking gratitudes to each other or just uh, some, some way of connecting and transitioning. Um, so we, those two are the, the morning and the evening ritual. And then there's a couple of weekly rituals. Um, one of them is the, um, the weekly date night, which um, pretty standard one, especially for those parents that have kids and can get a sitter like one day a week. Um, I, you know, for me, the first kind of warning sign that things aren't going well is when I ask, hey, how often do the two of you go on a date together? And, and it's like once a month or less. And, um, that, that is one of my barometers where I immediately go for like, Hey, how about we open up your calendar and put something weekly on the calendar and start striving toward doing that every week. Right. Right. Jed. But you know, you know, sitters are expensive, you know, mm-hmm. I'm like, well, so is divorce, right? Yeah. Divorce is expensive too. Yeah, that's for sure. That's the <laughs> you went nuclear on that one and took me by surprise. Um, yeah, sometimes you got to get creative. You know, like that can be a lunch date. Yeah, right. Um, like it doesn't doesn't have to be dinner in a movie. Um, yeah. That can that can. I, I hope that if you're raising kids, you have family nearby um, that can. Uh, they can hang out with for a little while. Um, but to me, there's really no excuse for not taking your partner on dates. Um, yeah, yeah, it, it, you're right. It's a, it's a, it's a question of creativity and if there's a will, there's a way and, if you, you know, and it's a testament to the, to prior, or it's a, it's a, like a ritual, it's a ritual, right. Or it's, you know, which are, which are, mm-hmm. um, embodied, clear signaling to, to that this is important right? This relationship is important. It it stands above all other things. We, unlike Mm -hmm. any other relationship, this relationship has its, its weekly night where there's fun or connection or, you know, some sort Mm -hmm. of enjoyment. Um, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And time for the two of you. And the main rule that I have for date nights is, um, can't talk about, um, work. So it has to be about something else that you share. And if you're talking about your kids, you need to like bracket the time that you spend talking about your kids. Um, so that there's at least some period of time, even if it's 20 or 30 minutes where it's just the two of you finding time to connect with each other without some separate mission. The mission is to connect. Yeah. Um, 
And then the encounter balance to the weekly date night. I think you know this one well, Ryan. Uh, you you picked up and ran with this one. That's the weekly planning and logistics mm-hmm. meeting. Um, and this is like the family meeting that keeps everything going. Um, I find that if couples do not have this on the calendar, especially toward the beginning of the week, then the date night turns into planning and logistics. What are we doing next week? What are we doing this weekend? Um, do you want to go camping? And it, it, the mission then becomes planning instead of connecting on the date night. Mm-hmm. So, so what I, yeah, exactly. And so what I recommend is that a, um, that a couple have a time on the calendar, maybe it's Sunday night, maybe it's Monday morning where they just compare calendars. What are we doing this week? What commitments do we have? What commitments do our kids have? Um, and get in sync and that getting in sync tends to be so helpful um, it becomes this glue that helps to kind of hold together all um, all the operations that have to be done that week. Yes. You know, as you speak. How has your experience of that been? Um, really essential. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, as all my couples know, I'm, I'm kind of like a, I don't know, an, kind of a broken record around the weekly planning meeting. Um because I hear it, I feel it in the, you know, in the way they describe some of their interactions, you know, because they're, they're talking about really complex, important things at nine o'clock at night, for instance, or in a, or in a date night or with the kids around, you know, and, um, it's a, it's a, it's a setup for not dealing with these important issues in a, and myself included, right? Yeah, I notice a week when we don't have it, like how um, we're not in sync, you know? We're not, we're getting irritated because I thought you were going to get the sitter or, you know, um, when are you going to call your parents for, you know, all these things that aren't taken care of in it? Yeah. yeah there's like a competency in relating that each of us need to uphold and we can like kind of check you got that. Yeah, I got that. Um, and one other thing that you brought up that's so critical and I've never written this down before. So I just jotted it down is having conversations when you have the resource to have that conversation. And I know you run into this a lot with couples where they open up some deep, difficult topic at nine o'clock at night and they're exhausted and the kids have just gone to bed. And that is just not the time to have that conversation. And so one of the ways that, that, that we at Madison and I get agreement around that is trying to sense and be aware of our partner's energy level and ability to talk about something difficult or complex, whether it's about the business or about our relationship. And we check in, um, we will say some, I'll say something like, Hey, are you up for having a conversation about blank, blank, blank? And And at first it was a like default from both of us. Sure. Yeah, I'm up for it. Let's do it. And then we learned that we weren't up for it and and, and learned which moments we actually had the resource to to do that. And so now we're much more conscious about being able to say, and we have permission to say to each other, no, not up for that right now. Can we talk about that tomorrow or next week? And that's, that's been so helpful in just like dodging arguments. Yeah. It takes maturity on both ends to to do that right um mm-hmm. one zone if you're mm-hmm. being asked that is this a good time for you to actually check in with yourself like can i you know do i have the resources and be able to be aware of that of your state well said yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. Well said. Yeah. And on, on the other side, um, sometimes it's hard to respect that boundary. Sometimes you've got something burning in your heart that you need to talk about. And when that happens and your partner says, no, what I recommend is pulling out your journal and writing about it because there's something there that's really urgent or on fire inside you. It still deserves some attention, even if your partner can't give that to you in the moment. Yeah. And a, and a key piece, I think you basically said it, but we, we found in, and um, our relationship, I mean, usually it's on, on Eden, Eden's end. Um, Cause I can internally process. It's just, we're just different you know she you know really really values external processing so anyway she'll ask you know and i'll be like i just i'm tapped out i, I i'm not gonna be a good sounding board for that right now but how about tomorrow morning at well in my better moments i say that but if i don't she can say well when you know I'm, i it it puts her at ease to know that it's actually scheduled because there's been too many experiences in the past where I say I can't do that and then it doesn't it doesn't actually get addressed mm-hmm. so that's yeah that contract to actually give that in the future is so crucial. right and that and that can be right uh the weekly planning meeting right where it is this is kind of mm-hmm. this accruing agenda that's that's held mm-hmm. on both sides right so then you, you come to the meeting with with your items exactly yeah exactly so we have a fourth one here is that right well um we talked agreements we talked rituals and um let's talk teamwork oh, oh, but there um, was and, you said there were four um rituals oh the fourth the fourth ritual was the planning and logistics okay period. so we have um, booking and so we've got morning morning time together evening clock out okay. time date, um, night. date night and weekly planning and logistics yeah period. And those are often not, what what are you doing to support? I'm curious, like, what are you doing to support in a sense to hold hold couples accountable to these practices? Because they're, they're Mm -hmm. new. They're, they're really different than what most people saw growing up, say, or even around them, Mm -hmm. unfortunately. For sure. Um, You know, the, first way that I help to hold accountability, um, I'll say this, I'm not much of a drill sergeant. I really want people to want it as opposed to wanting to twist someone's arm to do these sorts of things. And um, the first thing I do is I check in about how people run their life. Like, do they have a calendar? Are those calendars shared with each other? And if folks don't use a calendar, um, that is a basic skill that I want people to learn as to how, how to run your life using a calendar. I think at some point you just got to adult in that way. And most people are, have gotten fairly good at that. And once you have that calendar, my favorite technique is the old, Hey, let's open up your calendar and find a place for that. Um, and, and once I've gotten someone to put it on for one week, I usually say, Hey, how about we make that a repeating appointment for every week? And, um, and then, then what we have to work with is a thing popping up and that couple deciding in the moment, whether or not to actually do it. And, um, I think you and I both know that there's plenty of times when like, we'll be sitting with our partner, for example, our favorite one to skip is our budget meeting. (laughs) We've got, we've got a budget meeting every Monday 
Madison just sort of conveniently schedules a massage sometimes over that meeting. Um, and, and I often don't even say anything. And so then there's this accountability of like, Hey, we've skipped that like three weeks in a row. How about we get back to that? And, and, um, that, that sort of shared intent between the two, the two of us and me as a mentor, as a coach, um, the way I support people with that once it's on the calendar is we actually will often track back breakdowns in the relationship to not having that ritual in place. Um, so if a couple comes in and one partner says, oh, he keeps talking to me about you know, spreadsheets at like eight o'clock at night, I'll say, oh, we'll have you two you know, had a regular punch out time where you agree that you're not going to talk about work. No, we, we haven't been doing that. Okay, great. We'll try that. Um, or, you know, when conflict keeps coming up around scheduling, Hey, when's your, uh, planning and logistics meeting happening? Can it happen before that comes up? And so I try to teach people to bucket these different needs that come up into those rituals. Right. Yeah. I, when you, when you're describing that, I kind of got this, this sense of like, th- this is the prescription, right? This is like, this is, mm-hmm. this is your treatment plan. Right. You know, and then yeah. people come and say, well, yeah, such and such. Some symptom is arising. Well, are you taking your medicine? Oh, no. <laughs> no, I just, oh, yeah, right. I mean, until you start taking medicine, then there's no, I mean, you, you're going to have symptoms. Yeah, the treatment, the treatment isn't going to right. be in. Yeah, and if you still have symptoms after, then, okay, then we have to maybe change the treatment and everything. But first things first mm-hmm. is, like, actually take the medicine. and Exactly. We'll go from there, yeah. 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 And these are fairly painless rich, uh, rituals and agreements. Um, they do take discipline, but it's, I'm not asking people to do something that's like wildly outside their comfort zone. Um, these are things that I think make the relationship more stable, secure, and fun. Right. Yeah. I mean, that's what I've been trying to sell is that like with the weekly planning meeting, like it's, it actually can be. Not, you know, relatively painless. You can start with gratitudes. You can have your favorite mm-hmm. little treat. Maybe, you know, you can be in a beautiful setting, mm-hmm. like do your best to make it a, you know, uh, an enjoyable experience that you don't kind of, you know, pa- you know, kind of passively um, avoid or schedule over. Mm-hmm. Right? Those are great additions yeah. for sure. Yeah. Because it's, yeah, it's just not, it's just not, it's just weird. It's just a weird thing to get over, like the relationship in the, and the, the household management, the complex parental management, or even you, you throw on business management doesn't somehow need an organized, like professionally held meeting. When you say it out loud, it's like, it's clear, but that, that notion is still operating. Yeah. 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 And you know, the curiosity that I have, especially from how, how much you're um, working with couples around this as well is I want to know how people are making, making these rituals and making that meeting more and more fun and interesting. And I love those additions um, of doing it somewhere beautiful, going for a walk outside, you know, going and having your favorite coffee. Um, and, and I know that there are a thousand other rituals that 
folks have discovered. Uh, and I would really, I almost look at this as a research project to, to figure out what those are and share the best ones. And yeah, so maybe we can make that an invitation to the audience too, to share. Yeah. And maybe, maybe we should re and just think out loud around this. Maybe we should re name it too. I mean, a planning meeting does sound a little draft or something, you know, <laughs> truly it's kind of like let's, let's uh, make it a little more sexy yeah just imagining like you know it's the the, the king the king and queen have to like mm. come together to you know steer the realm in the in the right direction it's just <laughs> it could be a noble exactly. like i don't know um more mm-hmm. um i don't know illustrious kind of event I'll, I'll blow I love the nobility mundane in there. It's, it's yeah. 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 I like, I, I'd almost go with like the stay on track um, meeting or the on point or something, something like that. I mean, I shouldn't even call it a meeting. I think people kind of cringe the moment that you start to right. call things meetings. Right. Another, but, another, um, another meeting, you know, right. So many. Meeting. Yeah. 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 Lots to, lots to explore. Cause this is, this is new. We have to recognize on some level, you know, just for couples to, to, to do. It's just, yeah, there was, there was, I think a lot more um, <laughs> division of labor, I suppose, like historically. Um, Indeed. Yeah. yeah. Traditional gender roles mm-hmm. and sort of a, religiously enforced way of, of partnering, um, that, that definitely led to that, um, for, for some, some period of time. I'm sure there are many cultures that, that don't have those types of gender roles that we know in the sort of Eurocentric culture. But, um, I, you know, that actually brings me in a, in a nice way to talk about teamwork because division of labor is a really interesting one to me. Um, you know, teamwork breaks into these two, distinct areas. There's having a team, having the support that you need. And I can talk about that in a minute. And then there's also how you two team, how you two do teamwork. And um, one of the biggest pitfalls that I find couples run into is if their skill sets strongly overlap. And when, you know, you've got, let's say two graphic designers who are running a graphic design agency uh, to psychotherapists or um, clinicians who are running some kind of mental health service. Um, when those skill sets are very similar, um, you have almost too many cooks in the kitchen for a particular area of skill. Um, and then those couples tend to step on each other's toes and micromanage and and tend to not sort of cover the other surface area that needs to be covered in the business. And so if, if you're listening to this and you're a couple who's thinking about going into business together, I would highly recommend mapping out your skills and what you enjoy doing and comparing them to each other um, and saying, hey, based on, um, I'll use my, myself as an example, you know, I'm much more of a spreadsheet nerd than Madison is. I like dealing with finances and accounting. Um, I like managing people. Um, I um, I don't actually enjoy interfacing very much with creatives and like kicking off photo shoots and things like that. Madison, on the other hand, highly creative, brilliant at styling photo shoots and co- getting co- collaborators to come together, um, and really, really good at holding the brand and the and the sort of culture of our business. And so we divided that up 
and defer to each other quite often when folks will ask us questions about areas that are not ours. And it just leads to so much more joy because we can kind of go off and focus in the areas that we're good at and that we enjoy working and then come back together when we need to get an alignment about uh, a question that we've, that we've come upon. Yeah, that's, that's, that's great advice. Um, so would you say then it's, it's just to be proceeded with caution if there's a lot of overlap? Yeah. If there's, if there's a lot of overlap in what you enjoy doing and in your skill set, mm-hmm. you're going to have to sort of impose some, um, some, some bounds on who's still responsible for what. And, um, the way that I work with this is creating descriptions of roles in the business, um, and creating an organizational chart. So who's responsible for what, what role is responsible for, let's say finances, as opposed to, uh, delivering the product to our customers and, um, which person holds that role. And, um, you know, the, this, this also gets into the territory of having a team of people who work for you. Um, I was talking to this, this couple the other day who, um, run a, a, a pretty cool, uh, business together. It's like a, a clinical, uh, mental health service for children. And they have a number of clinicians that work for them. And one of the partners said, you know, sometimes I just feel like we're, we're playing house and just like faking it and like pretending all along the way. And I thought that was such a beautiful, vulnerable admission because that's so common, um, especially amidst couples who are running a business together. It's like fake it till you make it uh, essentially. And, um, and I find that the moment that a couple has at least one employee working for them and can start delegating some of their work that is not their strength to that person, the level of professionalism just jumps up and the level of like, Oh yeah, we've got this. Like it, 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 it leaps up because you can't be in the middle of a meeting with that employee and suddenly decide to have a conversation about like which preschool to send your kids to, you know? And, and that happens much more commonly than you'd think if it's just two people trying to sustain a business and a relationship. And so, so um, to go back to overlap of skill sets and passions, define clear roles about what you're going to be responsible for. Even if you're both, let's say, psychotherapists seeing clients, like one of you is going to need to um, be more of a business and finance manager. And one of you is going to need to be more of a, um, a, a supervisor to other, other clinicians, for example. And so um, define that and stick to that for a while and live into that, see how that goes, and then hire employees that will help kind of patch over some of those roles that you just don't want to hold mm-hmm. in the business. Yeah. And what I hear in that too, is a, is a real, per, like a permission or um, an acknowledgement that um, you, you're, you're not, you're not going to be good at all things. And you, you can, yeah, you can del. In fact, it's going to be really important to, to delegate. Um, I guess it's kind of countering some notion out there that you, you that you, you know, that you, you do it all yourself. Um, you just need to, you know, watch the yeah. right YouTube video and figure out how to do this and that. And yeah, this is a kind of a disease of American culture in many ways. I call it like do-it-yourself-itis. Um, and 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 also there's this this thing out there called hustle culture, which is the social media glorification of working twelve hours a day. 
<laughs> and and hustle culture it's so pervasive it's so in a way like what's baked into the opportunity of of american culture you, you work hard you'll succeed you'll you'll win you'll have all the things that you want to have and you'll have a happy life you know the end and um and it's just not true it's it's um it's when when folks get stuck in that do it yourself itis things don't get done as well as they could get done and it just saps your joy to be doing things that you're not good at. And so I really like one of the things that I do so often uh, with couples is we start to identify these areas and roles in their business that they've been holding just because there was a belief that they had to do that or that no one could do this better than me. Um, and I'm, at this point, I'm a pretty good negotiator and I can probably negotiate with almost anyone that there's someone out there that can do that better than you. And a few of those people you probably even could hire. And, and so, um, the, the key to, to, to finding that is to actually starting to see your business as this machine, as this, uh, as this operating living machine that you can actually work on and improve and upgrade as opposed to seeing just yourself as the business. That's a, that's a big, uh, a big uh, shift of yeah um, perspective that mm-hmm. I, I imagine takes takes some time sometimes to facilitate yeah indeed yeah indeed it, it that, and that comes from Michael Gerber and um, the way that he speaks about entrepreneurship in the E Myth Revisited which is a book that I highly recommend everyone read um, and in that he really speaks about the difference between being a technician or an artist who's the one who delivers the good or the service who makes the thing that you sell and being an entrepreneur whose job is to actually see the business as the product see the business as the thing that's being worked on and improved and hold a vision of something that you are creating in the world um, as opposed to being totally focused just on creating and delivering the product right right and that classic challenge of thinking right that you're that you're naming the thinking that you, you you're the only one that can really if you're not on it with every detail in there mm-hmm. uh the the, per, the product will be you know not up to snuff and exactly. the business will fail yeah exactly yeah and you know if if we're talking about like a uh seventh or eighth generational knife maker in Japan who's been trained through a family lineage how to make knives in a very particular way, I might totally agree with them. I would say, don't try to grow this into a giant business that makes knives. Like you are a master artisan who makes makes beautiful knives and just make those knives um, and in, enjoy that. And But if, if folks want to grow something beyond them, then there has to be a way to bring in other technicians, other artists, other folks who deliver well on the promise of the business. And, and, and that just leads to a more sustainable and joyful life um, to have that support. Mm-hmm. Yes. Right. And uh, right. Sustainable and a su- sustainable partnership. Mm-hmm. Over time, For sure. Right? Yeah. And I'm just to kind of connect For it sure. back with the, with the planning meeting, you know, it, it seems like what could be on an, an mm-hmm. ongoing, like what could be an ongoing agenda item would be something like, is there anything that we need to delegate? Just every, yeah. every, every yeah, is there anything we need help? Is with? there anything we need help with? 
we're really struggling. We're just totally. like, keep, you know, like for me, it's like, you know, um, you know, uh, start a, for, for years, I think it was like, you know, um, start a newsletter, something like that, this agenda mm-hmm. item. And at some point you have to realize, oh, maybe I just, maybe that's not my thing. How can I get help to do that? And, um, and then it, then, then it actually happens. But, but all that while it's actually a bit of a, a burden to carry like as an entrepreneur, right? For sure. I should be doing that. Why am I not doing that? Mm-hmm. Or I should be doing that. Yeah. Comparison to other entrepreneurs or other people out there on social media. Yeah. 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 And it, you know, sometimes I find it's very helpful to get together and make a list of all those shoulds that we're carrying, especially around the business. Um, you know, this is, this comes back to teamwork as well. Um, and I used a phrase earlier, getting in alignment. And when I talk about getting in alignment, what I mean is like, let's actually be aligned about the vision, like what we're creating in the world together, what we, what we're, our, what our focus is over the next few months. And, um, so often when a couple sits down and just says, what's, what's our plan? What are we creating here? What's the future of this? You get two very different narratives. Um, and Madison and I, for example, talk so often about like whether we want to open more uh, apocalypse stores and, um, and we go back and forth on it all the time. And so often our visions differ significantly. And so getting in alignment is the process of sitting down. Maybe it's writing down some of those. We should do this. We should start a newsletter. We should do this other thing and actually seeing where our visions align and, and having some conversations, sometimes difficult conversation about where they don't align because the spirit of getting in alignment is being able to show up, uh, unified, um, having each other's back, especially when we have employees, you know, one of some of our worst moments are when we publicly disagree in front of our employees. Um, and, and, you know, I, I can relate that also to families where it's like parents disagreeing about something related to their kids in front of their kids. It, it, it works a little better if you're both aligned around what's going to happen. Certainly. Yeah. So, yeah. This is so helpful. I think to all those folks that are either, I mean, honestly, Jed, as you say all this, I mean, it's just, it's not that much, there, there's so much of this that applies to just two people that are trying to run a household too or a parent i mean it's yeah. it's really so so many similar principles and yeah things for yeah. sure yeah yeah for sure yeah these these all all of these tools that i'm mentioning are all things that um i mention also to my friends and my men's group because they they, they address a lot of the the um sort of those those things that are in the background that one feels that they just have to bear in relationship. Um, and part of my mission is to really let people know that like you can put almost anything on the table here in relationship, and that's actually going to deepen the connection. So put on the table, those things that you're bearing that you think that you have to carry uh, solo and go to work on them. It's a great message. Well, as we, yeah wind down here is there is there any anything else you want to share about this process to the couples out there yeah sure yeah you know one um one final piece that i wanted to mention is just the um around teamwork is 
the importance of some support for your relationship. And um, the, the thing that I do when I work with couples is I require them to have a couples therapist and I actually refer them to packed therapists like Ryan often because um, if, if a couple doesn't have a regular couples therapy process happening, um, then it, all of these tools that I've mentioned often get clouded with the emotional content or the shadow that's getting pressed up in the relationship. Um, and it becomes really hard to move forward. I just, I remember in my first partnership with my ex-wife, I think so many of our business conversations would devolve into arguments that felt like a personal attack was happening. And it's as simple as, um, you know, Hey, did you send that email to our vendor? Well, what did you think? I didn't send that email to our vendor. Why would you think that? And it, and it becomes this very personal conversation very quickly. Um, and, and so when you're working together, this is just going to get pushed up more and more. And so I really, really recommend that uh, every couple out there who works together, every couplepreneur gets a couples therapist who they enjoy working with and work with regularly. Awesome, Jen. Well, uh, your offering, people can find uh, uh, all of your offerings at jedbigford.com. I'll put that in the show notes. Yeah, thank you. Jedbigford.com, soon to have a course um, in the coming year at nonakedmeetings.com, which will be the name of my course for couples. Um, And yeah, always always happy to talk to folks uh, and see if there's a way that I can support. Great. I appreciate what you do in the world, Jed. And yeah, always a pleasure. Thanks so much, Ryan. It's been a joy to talk to you. Take care. So that was Jed Bickford. What a great, intelligent, super sweet guy. Um, It was great to have him on the show. Uh, Please feel free to visit my Facebook page, Ryan Get Coaching, and uh, check it out. Add some comments, questions. I would just love your participation and um, love your thoughts, feedback. And soon we'll be having Stan Tacken back on the show in another month or so. Um, Just kind of getting excited about that. If there's any questions you have for him, you can uh, message me on Facebook or you can email me, ryan at ryangin.com. Would love any and all feedback you have, critical or positive or what have you. I hope you're all doing well out there as you do your best to navigate the challenges, perils, um, opportunities of long-term relationship. Until next time, take care, everybody.